I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Hey, we are live, but we got to let the screen breathe just for a few seconds. We're bringing on Facebook, making sure all of our streaming channels are good to go. And we're getting a nice, solid stream. And we're good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up podcast, presented as always by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen, and with me, as always, my partner in crime, my fellow football priest. You know him. You love him. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, I don't know if you got a chance to listen to Pat Shermer's media availability today, but I paid really close attention because, obviously, Drew Locke has has borne the brunt of a lot of criticism this week. Shermer has as well, and the one thing that he talked about, I mean, coming out of Week seven's kind of embarrassing offensive performance. Listening to Pat Shermer, he doesn't seem to sound too concerned or panicked. Like the outside, outside, no, outside, outside noise being what it is, it was a good reminder to uh, to me, and I think it should be a good reminder to all fans that inside the building, things are a lot more. They have a lot better perspective and a handle on things uh, than than the media noise and the fan noise. Yeah, they're not sitting in corners slicing their wrists. They're not jumping off ledges. They're, they're being very measured because the season's still very young, and they have a young quarterback and a young offense who are still going through the kinks and the up and ups and downs. This is one of the things where I agree with Pat Shermer. I've criticized him a lot, but I like the attitude he's bringing to the offense. This is the leadership void that was missing Sunday. This is why uh, Bradley Chubb spoke out. Shelby Harris spoke out. Jerry Judy spoke out. This is what I want to see from the coordinator, keeping them on the right track mentally, confidence-wise, emotionally. The season's not over. Uh, they're going to have better games than they, they had against the Kansas City Chiefs starting Sunday against the Los Angeles Chargers. Shermer knows, Locke knows, Fangio knows, Broncos country should know that winning cures all. And if they beat Herbert and the Chargers on Sunday, it goes a long way to removing that stink from the Chiefs game. I want to quote just a couple of things he said today. And then, of course, this is the Mile High Mailbag episode, the episode that Zach and I look forward to the most each week because we are your football priests. Each and every week we're here to offer the absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions, and we can't wait to get to those, and we will here in just a few moments. But, Zach, I wanted to read this quote for our listeners and make sure everyone's on the same page with some of the insights Shermer provided on Thursday with regard to some of the teaching points, you know, the emphasis that he and quarterbacks coach Mike Shula have been making this week after Locke struggled in week seven, he talked about, and this was something Locke talked about as well on Wednesday, is that, you know, he he was not taking what the defense was given. Basically, the Chiefs were taking away the deep ball and and forcing him to take the underneath and the check down, and he just refused to take the check down. He just kept trying to chuck it downfield. And this is something Pat said, quote, Everything is progression-driven, all right? That's another criticism Locke's had. He's not going through his progressions. Everything is progression-driven. You go through your progressions, and if it's not there, you check it down and you move on. 
if you're in an unfortunate situation of being third and long, you're not always going to be able to throw it past the sticks. Oftentimes you push up in the pocket, run for it, get a check down, which requires a route runner to finish the down by gaining some yards. I think that's the deal. He is still a very young quarterback and he will be through this and he will be through this full season. He's only played in nine games. People forget that. All those things are things that you work on through the length of a career. And it's certainly uh, what we do with him. You want to be aggressive. You want to take advantage of what the defense presents downfield. But it's also important that you get completions, close quote. That, thank you for echoing the same exact point I've been screaming. Chad has been screaming for the last three, four pods now. He is a young quarterback going through not only progression on the field, but progression is development, Chad. I think there was alliteration in that comment from Pat Shermer, and he's absolutely 100% correct here. It's on lock, not on the play calling or the coaching. It's on lock when he's on the field to go through those reads. It's not Shermer going through those reads. It's not Shermer throwing the passes. He's calling the plays. He has to be better in that department. Those are rookie quarterback mistakes that have to get cleaned up and fast. All being objective here, Chad, I'm taking my, I don't have any Drew Lock bias and I don't have any Pat Shermer bias. I call it like I see it. This was the right way to go about handling Drew Lock. And I just hope this is a precursor of things to come between Lock and, and, and uh, Pat Shermer. I hope it's not just lip service from Pat. That's all. I think one of the reasons why, because again, Lock has been criticized, especially the last five quarters of play, for seemingly not going through his progressions, locking into a receiver, and it's cost him big time in more than one way. And and Lock, and uh, excuse me, Shermer talked about, of course, as I just read, the progression aspect. And I think one of the reasons why, you know, because again, we talk about Week 14 last year when he went to Houston, Lock, and completed passes to ten different receivers. He wasn't have a, having a problem reading the field. He wasn't having a problem going through his progressions. I think one of the reasons why it has been a struggle the last little bit here, Zach, is because he has this aggressive mindset, right? He wants to push the ball. And he, and he talked about that again on Wednesday, that, look, I'm going to start taking what the defense gives me more, but I'm not dispensing with the aggression. And with regard to pushing the ball down the field, not going through his, his, his reads, I think the reason why he's not going through the progression, Zach, is because he gets the play call in his ear from Pat Shermer, and he goes, ooh, yeah, and he knows, all right, where's my big play potential, right? And he kind of makes his mind up, and that's not the right thing to do. Like, he be pre-snap, he should be making the decision on the progressions on what the defense is showing him pre-snap and then how the defense responds, you know, once the ball is snapped. Instead, I think he's making up his mind, and it's it's, you know, it hasn't paid dividends the last five quarters. Because he's been groomed and conditioned to go deep. I mean, you can't have it both ways if you're a Pat Shermer. You can't want to go deep and then expect him to know instinctually to go short or to check it down. It's on lock to an extent. This is the point I wanted to make in my last uh, little little rant there. It's also on Shermer to scheme the, the plays that put Locke in the best position to succeed, that take advantage of his arm, that get him in rhythm, short passes, completions, not just attempts. That part is on Pat Shermer to know when to call the right play call and why. When he brings that play call into the huddle, it's then on Drew Locke to make the right throw in the right read. This is exactly why, though, Chad, real quick, it's not just Locke or Shermer. It is both of them, and he's pretty much admitting that in his comments. There is so much more to get to today in terms of storylines, buzz out of Broncos HQ, your questions, your concerns, your comments. We got a few super uh, super chats stacked up from our superstars. Can't wait to get to those here in just a few minutes. First, though, gang, we got to go through some very, very quick matters of business because tonight's live stream podcast is, of course, brought to you by 
sportsbetting.com. Gang, you got to go, go over to sportsbetting.com because right now, as you know, gambling is legal in the state of Colorado. And with sportsbetting.com, it's a place to go because of the sharp odds, the low juice, the in-house bookmakers, meaning they're not leaning on third-party providers for odds, hassle-free bonuses. And anyone that has done gambling online, sports betting, understands how important that is. When you do get a bonus, to not be hassled when you want to exercise that bonus. 24-7 live customer support. And with the hassle-free bonuses, by the way, you get that bonus money after you bet it one time. Whereas with other sites, it's five, 30 times, anywhere between five to 30 times until you can actually get that bonus money. But what makes sportsbetting.com the bee's knees is you get a 100% right now, risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. And it's not just one bet. It's all of your bets. You play for a week. If your losses exceed your winnings at the end of the week, sportsbetting.com will cover those losses, the difference up to $1,000 and going back to the hassle-free thing with a one-time rollover. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash milehighhuddle and capitalize on a risk-free week of sports betting up to $1,000. All right, a couple more things here, and then we will dive right back into the content for tonight. Make sure you are in the mailbag. Make sure you are following the podcast on Twitter. Thousands of you are, but this show continues to grow week in, week out. We want to make sure you know how to connect with us. First thing to do, follow on Twitter, the podcast, at HuddleUpPod, also at MileHighHuddle. You can see here where to find my partners at Kelberman, at Kelberman NFL, and myself at Chad and Jensen. And then a gentle reminder, gang, to head on over to the merch store and get your swag on, huddleuppod.com. Get yourself a trucker hat. Get yourself a Let Them Hate t-shirt. And Zach, speaking of the Let Them Hate, we received an awesome selfie today from Che Hill, one of our superstars. He's also a Facebook supporter. I'll see if I can blow this up a little bit. He's got himself a nice little man cave going on. Shout out to rocking the hashtag let him hate shirt. And Zach, what more appropriate time than now to proudly represent the let him hate shirt. So shout out to you, Che. Appreciate your support, my friend. And if you'd like to get one of those, John will drop a link in the, in the stream. And it's easy to remember huddleuppod.com. Get your swag on. It's another way you can support what we're doing here at mile high huddle. And also a shout out, to our Facebook supporters as our Facebook community continues to grow by leaps and bounds month in and month out. If you'd like to become an official supporter, it's easy. You just go to our page, facebook.com slash mile high huddle. You'll see the big blue button that says become a supporter. Click that. You're in like Flynn. Zach and I have some really fun, really cool uh, content ideas and plans coming for specifically our Facebook supporters. It's another way you can support what we're doing. And if patronizing the merch store or being a Super Chat superstar or a Facebook supporter are not in the cards for you, it's all good. Each and every one of you can do these three things. Whether you're listening live after the fact on demand, first and foremost, subscribe. Number two, like this video or like this podcast episode. And lastly, the, the litmus test that lets Zach and I know whether or not you're, you think we're doing a good job is share it out there. If we're really doing a good job for you, share this video out there, share this podcast out there on your social media, help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Simplify your federal agency's technology procurement with Connection Public Sector Solutions. Connection's dedicated account managers, commitment to exceptional customer service, and extensive catalog of federal contracts make IT purchases quick, easy, and affordable. Turn your challenges into opportunities and get rid of your technology pain points with Connection today. Learn more about what's possible with Connection Public Sector Solutions at connection.com slash fedcontracts. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Listen up, Broncos country. Coors Hard Seltzer is not your average seltzer. Rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability, their brand was inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world that has a mission to restore America's rivers. Never before has it been so easy to make an impact and make a difference and do good in the world. Coors Hard Seltzer is launching the world's easiest volunteer program. Whatever you're doing, simply by cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering. Our waterways, guys, they are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up. And through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. Each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers. Wrap your brain around that. And the communities that depend on them, it's so important. The results? One billion, that's with a B, gang, gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River. And that's just year one. And here's what's great about Coors Hard Seltzer. Four refreshing flavors, one cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. And the specs are in, gang. Coors Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories. Chad, I got to say, for last Sunday's slate of NFL games, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer and mango. Loved it. This week, I picked up a Coors Hard Seltzer and black cherry. Loved it even more. So guys, whether you want to support the cause or like the flavors, you won't be disappointed with a Coors Hard Seltzer. Amen. So join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply drinking Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. It is that simple. Visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find Coors Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 8-31-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly, Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. And Zach, let's start tonight's Mile High Mailbag by reading this super chat from one of our longtime listeners and bona fide superstars in the community, Steve Baumgartner. Appreciate you, Steve. Thank you. Steve. We'll uh, definitely get you back on the show here in the very near future once the grind kind of slows down a little bit with regard to Broncos news. Appreciate you very much, my friend, and your generosity. He says, hey, guys, looking forward to Sunday. My prediction for the game, Broncos 24, Chargers 17. Hashtag trust the process. Hashtag state of being Denver Broncos for life. And hashtag Drew Locke rocks. Zach, I don't want to um, you know put you under pressure here, but you submitted your – um, you know, your pick for the Mile High Roundtable, which we will publish tomorrow at milehighhuddle.com. Yep. Care to, to let the listeners in, let the community in on how you view this game shaking out? Might as I well. View, 
I view it similarly to the comment. I think without giving anything away, I want you guys to read the article for sure, but I, I predict a score close to that. I think Locke will respond as he usually does based on what we saw last year, based on what we saw in Missouri, he will come back and have a calming, um, encouraging effort. I think 250 and two touchdowns, the Broncos lock down Justin Herbert, that defense, if they can hold down Mahomes, Chad, in the snow, they can hold down Justin Herbert. I'm not worried about that. I think the offense will do enough. Philip Lindsay's playing. He's tough as nails. He's all business. He'll have a decent game on the ground this game should restore some confidence in broncos country and those that were jumping off the lock bandwagon predictably will be scrambling to get back on on monday morning i uh have yet to completely form my thoughts on the game but i am my gut tells me right now what's up richie my gut tells me right now and by the way richie you're wondering how the internet is you tell me you let me know my friend if it's sketchy i, I tried to take care of all the Possible issues that might have occurred, like teenagers downstairs in my basement playing Fortnite and sucking up my bandwidth. I think that might have had a little something to do with it. But you let me know. Uh, Zach, as far as Drew Locke, as far as the Broncos, week eight, my gut tells me Drew Locke is going to bounce back. To what degree, I'm not quite sure yet. I haven't 100% formed my thoughts. But I am going to go out and just let it be known. I'm predicting a win. I predicted the Broncos were going to beat the Chiefs last week. I was wrong. The week before that, as nine-point underdogs, I predicted the Broncos to beat the Patriots. I was right in that case. I am predicting the Broncos to beat the Chargers this week at home. And, Zach, it's not so much because I think Drew Locke's going to come storming back and you know put up 400 yards and four touchdowns necessarily, but I think Vic Fangio's defense – is going to throw some things at a young Justin Herbert who's coming out of the quick, easy read, uh, spread offensive Oregon. You know, he's looked really good in these five games as a pro, Zach, but he hasn't gone up against a Vic Fangio defense quite yet. Right. The same defense that confounded Patrick Mahomes to the tune of 0 for 8 on third down. And so I think that's going to give Drew Locke an opportunity in this kind of beleaguered offense to get back on their feet. And it's the same defense that also confounded and confused Ryan Tannehill. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, the Pittsburgh uh, Steelers. This defense is very good this season, and I'm not worried at all about the Chargers' offense. Uh, Herbert's rookie quarterback. He'll make uh, life hard for him. They have Eckler. They have Keenan Allen. But other than that, though, uh, not a lot of weapons on offense there for, for Herbert. And if the Broncos, like I said, if they can hold Mahomes to 200 yards and one touchdown and that score coming in garbage time, I think they'll get after Herbert on Sunday. They'll give the offense back the ball. I think we'll see some turnovers, some interceptions. That'll help the, the offense's confidence. I do think the Broncos will get back on the winning track this Sunday. Kenneth Booker with a, with a uh, comment here. He says, hey, Pat. What's your game plan? Go deep. Hey, Pat, what's your favorite play? <laughs> hey, Pat, what do you do on fourth and inches? Go deep. Hey, Pat, what time is it? Go deep. <laughs> you know, I think Pat definitely has that, um, you know, that's his that's his predilection is, is definitely to go deep. But the message that he was preaching today to the media was one of progressions. He says it's all progression driven. You go from one to two to three. He goes, we can all count to three, right? Progressions, you boil it down. You go from one to two to three. And so I think the message that's really being hammered home to Drew Locke this week from a coaching emphasis, I mean, technique-wise, obviously we got to hope and expect that they're trying to help him get back to basics with that footwork and some of that stuff. But in terms of philosophically, Zach, it's take what the defense is giving you. And, yes, there are going to be strategic moments in this game where we're going to take a shot or two, right? It's going to happen. But you don't need to go for broke down after down. Take what the defense gives you. If Drew Locke would have taken what the defense was giving him last week, he would have been well over 300 yeah. yards. Completion percentage, 
would have been much higher. Broncos probably still don't win that game because of the turnovers and because of the snafus on special teams, Zach. But he ends up with a much gaudier um, stat line, and he's not you know, the butt of every joke in Denver media this week. He's going to have to take what's offered to him because the Chiefs defense plays mostly man-to-man. The Chargers defense plays a lot of zone defense, and uh, it's going to keep everything in front of him. They're going to take away the deep ball with K.J. Hamler, Jerry Judy, if Tim Patrick plays in this game, and he'll have to be forced. And this is good. This is going to be a good thing, a blessing in disguise if they take the deep ball away. It's going to make Shermer and make Locke utilize the middle of the field, utilize the seams, throw to the tight ends, throw to the running backs, throw to Jerry Judy, get the ball in K.J. Hamler's hands. Have some creativity, ingenuity. We haven't seen any of that to date yet. I think this is the game they debut it. This is the the soft landing spot for the the uh, reclamation project that is the Denver offense. Let's grab this one from Christopher Do Do Forty Four Do 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 Forty Four. Good to see you, my friend. Longtime listener of the show, yes. a superstar. Thank you, Christopher. Appreciate you, Chris. He says, "Love my MHH fam. Please beat the Herb so Drew Lock can get a better overall for my Broncos." theme team on Madden 21. Love you guys. Hit the like button and congrats, Nick, on one year. Of course, we did not uh, congratulate Nick Kendall on his one-year anniversary with his beautiful young wife. That I think it was Tuesday night. In fact, the night of building the Broncos, he was absent because he was celebrating his anniversary with his wife. So, of course, congratulations to Nick and yes. to uh, Natalie. Great young couple. Zach, let's grab this one here from John Libick on Facebook. Appreciate you, John. What's up, fellas? Do you think we make any trades before the deadline? Zach, my answer, and then I want to serve this over to you real quick, is it depends entirely on the complexion of this game. If the Broncos lose, and especially if they get blown out and it's just not even close and it continues to fall apart at the seams, I think the Broncos end up becoming sellers. Yeah, but I don't see a fire sale. First of all, they don't have the assets for that, and I just don't see Elway dismantling the team that he was so hyped to build before the season. I could see if they win this game, maybe they'll trade for a, a safety or maybe another offensive lineman, someone to help kind of fortify the roster for a potential playoff push. If they lose this game, they might trade away an asset. I don't know who that would be. <laughs> Melvin Gordon, I, I, there's not many veteran players that have some trade value. Uh, but either way, if I had a gun to my head, I see them being sellers and but very very inactive. I think maybe one deal on Tuesday. I don't think you're going to see them go out trying to move mountains to acquire anybody. But if they have a rough go this week and end up losing, they they'll be at two and five. What you do is you look at the guys who are that do have some value who are in a contract year. So you look at Justin Simmons. You look at Garrett Bowles. Uh, you look at Shelby Harris. I would throw Philip Lindsay in there, even though it's he's technically. I guess you could technically say I was I was going to use the word technically, but he's actually in a contract year. He'll be a free agent next year. He'll be a restricted free agent, so the Broncos can you know c- control his destiny, so to speak. But those are the four names Zach that come to mind to me. And if I had to put my finger on boiling it down to one name, if the Broncos were to be sellers this year, I'd probably say. I'd probably say, ooh, that's tough, man. That's really tough. But I'd that's- probably say. Justin Simmons, but I just don't see it happening. And that means I I don't really see the Broncos budging in in that regard. I don't see them trading Simmons because if he has a down season, like I'm saying, if they want to resign him, they'll end up saving, you know, three, five million dollars per year than they would have offered. Maybe Deshaun Hamilton. uh, He's a young receiver, might need to change his scenery. He was a fourth round draft pick. Uh, He has, you know, a bag of chip value, but maybe they can get something for him, a conditional late round pick in a future draft. That's the only guy. I don't see the Broncos being very active, though. I mean, maybe Royce Freeman, but what value, like like Zach just said, what kind of value do the Hamiltons and Freemans on this roster really present? I mean, not much at all. So 
if the Broncos move anyone, it's going to be a contract year guy that does have interest that can garner some value and and whatnot on the open market. market. What's that? Demarcus Walker. That's true. Good point. Demarcus Walker is another guy. Now, NFL teams haven't been able to get much of a look at him this year because he played week one, got hurt week two, came back last week. So he's only appeared in three games this this season, but and he hasn't played a whole heck of a lot, to be honest with you, as a you know, as a Bronco over the course of three and a half seasons nearly. So but he is a guy, Zach, that I bet Yes, there are teams out there that have their evaluation on him, right? As a prospect coming out of FSU that might want to make a move. Yeah, and every time, Chad, the limited tape he's made available, he's always around the football. He's always making plays. It might be my bias for Demarcus Walker, but you never know if a defensive needy team can maybe say, okay, we can salvage this guy. Let's see what he can do in our system. Zach and I have kind of been orange-colored glasses with regard to, yeah, boy, Demarcus Walker. <laughs> and uh, I don't think he's received the fairest of shakes from the Broncos, you know, um, hindsight being twenty twenty. I still think he's got some a chance here, though, with this, these remaining 10 games to make himself a little money, at least as a free agent next year. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. I think what flavor of these new Dunkin' Coconut Refreshers you get says a lot about you. Really? What's it say about me? Well, you got the refreshing golden peach because you're vibrant, fun, and positive. Oh, what about me? The bold purple pomegranate means you're vibrant, fun, and positive. I take it I got this delicious pink strawberry because I'm vibrant, fun, and positive. Yeah, it's a simple system, really. Share the shine. Enjoy a medium Dunkin' Coconut Refresher for $3. Order ahead plus earn rewards. America runs on Dunkin'. Participation may vary. Limited time offer excludes classic Dunkin' Refreshers. Turn off your laptop. We're on staycation. I'm on TotalWine.com. They have so many rosés, chardonnays, and proseccos. It feels like a real vacation. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, ridiculously low prices. Total Wine and more. A Bronco Batman. Jumping in with a super chat and a beautiful YouTube profile pic of him barbecuing something. Appreciate you, Bronco Batman. He says he's got a prediction. He says Broncos with a win. Locke has a big game. Go Broncos. So that's some uh, some orange colored. You want to talk orange colored glasses, Zach? There you have it. I'm rocking them too. That's the same prediction I made. I think 250 and two touchdowns, that would qualify, I think, for most as a good game from Drew Locke. The Broncos have a resounding, mostly resounding victory on the strength of their their defense as well. I don't think it's too orange-colored. He has the talent. He showed it last year. He beat the Texans, beat the Chargers, beat the Raiders in the finale, beat the Lions after losing to the Chiefs. We've seen what Locke can do. It's not all theoretical. Most of it is also on film. So I'm I'm riding with Locke, Chad, and I'm dying on that hill happily. Duke jumps in with his own prediction. He said, and by the way, he wasn't, he's not a, obviously he's a fan, right? That's why everyone's in this stream. But last week, you know, he's not a blind Broncos every week. He's, he's pretty rational when it comes to making his picks. He picked the Chiefs last week to win. Not that he wanted the Chiefs to win, obviously, but he's saying here's that three day weekend coming up and a lot of beer going down. Denver beats the Chargers 38 17. Man, it would be great to see this team come out and, just have one of those Texans type everything goes right games, man. It would be quite the lift and at the penultimate moment. And this, let's face it, Herbert's looked really good. We don't want to take anything away from him, but the Chargers are not a world beater. I'm sorry. If things broke a different way, if Locks receivers could catch in that New England game, they would have won that game going away. It would have been a blowout. And if they can blow out the Patriots, even this year's version of the Patriots, they can blow out the Chargers. Not saying it's going to happen, but it's definitely a possibility. Mr. Scary says, what happens, though, if Herbert outplays Locke as a true rookie? 
if, if, if Herbert outplays Locke and the Broncos lose, it's going to be another uh, week of, of hypercriticism and negativity, and it's going to suck, but it's still not going to be the end of the world. Again, guys, Pat Shermer told you the message today, and Vic Fangio echoed it. This dude's entering his 10th NFL start, his ninth full game that he'll play, assuming he plays all 60 minutes and doesn't, you know, knock on wood, stays healthy. And, you know, they got a long row left to hoe and the locks their guy. So they're going to let him bump his head and they're going to try and coach him through the ups and downs and live to fight another day. And Flippin' Booch says, guess what? The Chargers defense sucks. All teams have put up more than 20 versus the Chargers, except the Bengals. And, Zach, we'll get to some comparisons here in a minute, but a very uh, poignant point here. And if that happens, to answer the previous question, if Locke does outplay, uh, if Herbert does outplay Drew Locke, and what is the definition of outplay? If he has better stats, if the Chargers win, um, it would mean nothing going forward. It would mean the Chargers have their QB in Justin Herbert and the Broncos have theirs temporarily, at least, in Drew Locke. And no team mirrors each other. The Broncos aren't trying to be the Chargers. The Chargers aren't trying to be the Chiefs. Every team has has their own quarterback and own situation that's exclusive to them. The Broncos, if they lose this game, they're still going forward with lock under center because they have to know by season's end not the end of this week by the end of the season if lock can be the guy if they lose like chad said it's it's more of the pearl clutching it's more of the complaining it doesn't change anything though from a personnel standpoint going forward tom el greco up there north of the 49th parallel in canada proving the broncos country is not a geographic location it is a state of being and while we're talking about our canadian brethren in broncos country a quick shout out John, I don't know if you still have that uh, banner ready to go, but shout out to Terry Randall, MHH, Mount Rushmore superstar. Happy birthday to you, my dog. And uh, D-Day, is it four days? I think we all know. Congrats on both uh, (laughs) milestones, if you will, Terry, and and happy birthday. Hope you're having a great night. Let me just amend my comment. I saw Tara, you made a comment, a super chat. We're going to get to in a minute. I messed up last night. The screen was, it was flickering for me. I was taking your question. It looked like s'more days. I went back and watched the pod. I asked myself, what the hell is s'more days? So my apologies, Tara, you meant five days, four more days. Definitely my congrats to you. Tom El Greco. Appreciate you, my friend. You really have just come on strong the last, this since the season started, maybe even before that. And we really appreciate your support, my friends. Thank you, Tom. Locke has to slow the game down. He has to calm down. He will be great. Patience. I've been a Broncos fan 35 years. I know talent. Thanks, guys. Now, I don't think there's any question, Zach, that Drew Locke has talent. Like the kid has plenty of talent. And but but at the same time, you know, the 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 annals of the NFL are littered with bust after bust of, of highly drafted quarterbacks that have all the talent in the world. But for whatever reason, whether it's character, whether it's between the years, whether it's team circumstances, whatever, are not able to put it all together. We think he, we believe and know that he does have the talent, Zach, but at a certain point, and I don't say this to, to be alarmist at all, because again, scope, you need the whole season to, to have a full evaluation on lock, but he does really need to start producing it on the field. He does, and he has a lot of talent that we saw last year. The arm talent is evident, but you talk about his footwork. You talk about his decision-making. You talk about getting rid of the football. And coming from a pretty big Drew Locke fan, admittedly, those are fatal flaws if you're a young quarterback. You have to clean those up. You learn those in high school. You progress through college. You get to the NFL. Coaching or not coaching, that is on Drew Locke. He has to be better 
I just think, though, I'm not ready to give up on him after that poor game against the Chiefs. I think he will clean those up incrementally starting Sunday against uh, Los Angeles. And he's still carrying that confidence. I mean, you talk to any Bronco in that locker room and mention the name Drew Locke, the first thing they're going to say is the swag, right? He's got the swagger. He's got the confidence. And as a young quarterback, you got to hope, you got to find the guys who can maintain their confidence through the struggles, through the ups and downs. And Locke, you know, in his media availability on Wednesday, he was definitely confident. He was, I wouldn't quite say unapologetic. I mean, he was acknowledging that he needs to play better. But he also, Zach, stuck to his guns in terms of, look, I do need to take what the defense has given me. Back to Tom's point in terms of slowing things down. I got I to gotta be able to recognize where I can improve, but I'm not losing the aggressive mindset. He stuck to his guns, and that confidence is still oozing on Drew Luck. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Want to hear something amazing? Oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So, Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network Grilling Essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra 15% off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select styles 15% off for ends May 16th. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. Chris Hernandez, 24-year veteran of the Air Force and a superstar in our community. Love you, buddy. Appreciate you. you. He wants to know, is there any news on the injuries? Let's take a, a gander here. Zach, at the injury report, the practice report from today. I guess I can do a share screen and we can all look at this together. It'll be a nice, fun little exercise. Bear with me one second here, boys and girls. Let me blow this up for you and uh, we can all look together. So for the Broncos, by the way, Philip Lindsay was initially listed on Thursday as a DNP, as it did not participate, but he was actually upgraded to a limited participant later on because he's passed to a certain point within the concussion protocol where on a Thursday practice, he could go out and do individual drills by himself away from the team, and that counts as limited. So that's good news. You're not going to get a, a decision from the doctors in the concussion protocol, right? These are independent from the team doctors that handle concussion protocol. There will not be a decision, according to Fangio, on Lindsay's availability uh, for week eight until Saturday. But it's good news, Zach, that he is was limited and was able to do some things today. How do you not, I'm not saying you, but how does any Broncos fan not love this guy? I just don't understand. I mean, he is definitely an RB1 in my eyes. He is tough as nails. He is all business, no BS. I really hate to say this to draw this, uh, to connect these dots right now. If this was Melvin Gordon in concussion protocol, would he have practiced today? Would he have been limited? I'm not sure about that. Philip Lindsay is all about football. He's all about helping his team win. This is why he is hashtag RB1. I love this guy so, so much, Chad. So much. Amen. And here's where, though, the injury report does get a little more concerning. Tim Patrick did not participate Wednesday, did not participate Thursday with his hamstring. However, <clears throat> he did tell Vic Fangio that he is feeling better today. Um, so that's one silver lining positive. But, you know, if he's unable to go against the Chargers, it's not the end of the world. But, Zach, the the chemistry he clearly has with Drew Locke, Yes. I mean, that's the Broncos are going to need that if they're going to fully have, if they're going to have the full potential to bounce back the way they could. 
Well, also his sure hands. I mean, Jerry Judy has struggled with drops. Albert O has struggled with drops. You don't have a veteran receiver really on the team. Tim Patrick is your veteran most receiver. And like you mentioned, the chemistry and connection is just there, and you can't teach that. They have it. Hopefully he can play. He'd be a big boon in this game to have ball-controlled offense, use the middle of the field, and keep pushing first downs and moving the ball forward. I hope he can play, but even if he can't, this is where K.J. Hamler and Jerry Judy have to earn their money as first- and second-round draft picks, Chad. Shelby Harris didn't participate with an, uh, he's got some bug, something going on. Not the word that she'll go unmentioned, not the CV, but he was back full participant today. DeMar Dotson got a, a, a vet day on Wednesday. He's back today, full participant. And then we get to Jerry Atachu, who, and, uh, and Deontay Spencer, both of whom missed the last game. In fact, Atachu, I think, missed three games in a row now, but he was at least limited this week. That's a step in the right direction. He, was a DNP last week and the week before. So Atachu is trending in the right direction, but Spencer obviously is not. I would expect at least one more game without Spencer as your punt and yep. kick returner, which means, you know, Tyree Cleveland step on up. And you know what? He wasn't totally terrible, but anyone I think working for Tom McMahon is going to be less than what they could be in under any uh, other coordinator. In terms of Atachu, Malik Reed has really stepped up and locked down that outside linebacker role opposite Bradley Chubb. Attachu coming into the season, I had some decent hopes for him as like a six to eight sack guy, but Malik Reed is just killing it out there and making the Attachu absence sting a little less. You know, Reed might not be just blowing uh, off the ball and just winning his matchups one-on-one, but when the opportunity knocks and there's a chance for that sack, he gets it, right? He doesn't let those opportunities get squandered. And that's what you see from guys who might not have the Von Miller talent in the world, you know, in terms of the quick twitch and the bend and the explosion, but they have the motor and they're the hard work guys. And they're the smart guys that pay attention in film study. And that was something even Bradley Chubb yesterday, or was it the day before? I think it was the day before Tuesday, Tuesday, either way, Bradley Chubb talked about that. He looks up to Malik Reed on is look, this dude is like as dedicated as it gets. And, you know, he's taken notes, copious notes on everything, every meeting, every film study. And you can see how that pays dividends for him where, you know, two games in a row where he gets four sacks and, or, you know, total two games in a row, I should say, where he got two sacks each game. And it's not, again, it's not because he's putting these highlight film, you know, get offs on, on uh, tape and blowing his guy off the ball. He's just doing all the right things. And when you do that, Zach, typically the football gods, you know, pour you out a blessing. Yeah, those blue-collar guys, those lunch-pail guys, you you can't pay to have enough of those on a team. And he's just like almost like the defensive version of Tim Patrick. He doesn't have the most elite traits, the most elite physicality. He just comes and shows up every Sunday and does his job and does it very well. And for Bradley Chubb, the number five overall pick, a highly touted first-round pick, to praise an undrafted free agent, that says everything to me. I'm a big fan of Malik Reed. He's only getting better as time goes on. Then we get to the tight ends. Andrew Beck, who missed last week, limited with his hamstring. I think there's a 50-50 chance he'll play this week. And then Jake Butt was limited yesterday and today. Noah Fant, they took it easy on him yesterday because he's still trying to get back to 100% with that ankle. But he was a full participant today. And then Judy's kind of nursing a little bit of a shoulder, full participant. And then, Zach, if we look at the Chargers injury report real quick, um, we've got – let me let me see here. Brian uh, Bulaga, the tackle, he was limited. Hold on, what's the – did not practice. All right, that's right. They they had to cancel their walkthrough. But if they would have practiced today, that's what this would have meant. They would have been limited, okay? And uh, that's Bulaga. Melvin Ingram would have been limited. Rayshon Jenkins, the safety. Storm Norton, the tackle. And then full the guys who have been banged up but would have practiced 
or KJ Hill, Justin Jackson, Gabe uh, Neighbors, Tyrod Taylor. I guess it's Tyrod is actually how he likes his name pronounced. And then uh, some of the guys that wouldn't have, no matter what, Forrest Lamp, Trey Pipkins, Easton Stipp. It's weird to see Virgil Green's name on there, isn't it? It's like, I yeah. can't believe he's still in the NFL. He's uh, He's been around, seems like, 50 years. All right, let's get back to the stream. We'll grab Stu Meat. Appreciate the super chat, my friend. Your support means the world to us, and you really are a superstar. Anytime you're in the stream, you're showing us love, and we really do appreciate that, my friend. All right, let's see what else we got. What's on the minds of Broncos country? And here he is. I probably should have waited till we actually had the uh, super chat. I didn't see that he had already supered. So, Terry, appreciate you, my friend. Again, happy birthday. He says, stay to being four more days. Hashtag get it right, Zach. I atoned, uh, Terry. I atoned for that. He atoned. Yeah, absolution. Now it's your football priest seeking absolution <laughs> at your hand. Isn't so, 2020 great? In, indeed. The tables have turned. So thank you, Terry, and happy birthday again, my friend. Yes. Um, very happy birthday. Let's grab Daniel real quick here on Facebook. We try to keep it as balanced as we possibly can, especially on Mile High Mailbag Day. Appreciate you being with us, Daniel, on Facebook. He says, what is the job security of Fangio and Shermer? Do they finish the season or are they gone before the season ends? Zach, these guys have, unless you get a successive run of 10 remaining games in which the Broncos are getting blown out by multiple scores in each game, like you saw in week seven, they're yeah. both here to stay for 20 through 2021. I think even if that happened, he would get another season. Both of them would because uh, it's just a, such a young offense. So many things have happened. The injuries, a weird offseason. There's 0% chance. Fangio or, or especially Fangio will be fired during the season. And I think there's like a 10 to 20% chance he's fired after the season. It is not happening. His alibi was injuries. He lost Cortland Sutton. He lost Von Miller. His quarterback went down. He was on a couple young quarterbacks. He's going to have his alibi built in Fangio. Shermer's a different story, though. I think he will get um, at least the end of the year. Going forward, it's a little less murky after the Scangarello firing uh, last year. I am... Uh... Well, let's grab Kenneth's super chat, and then I'll come back to what I was going to say. Really appreciate you, Kenneth. Bonafide superstar and been with us a long time. I think it's safe to say at this point that this is a cat that has worked his way up onto the MHH Mount Rushmore. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, do we sign Garrett Bowles to a franchise tag, approve it for another year, or do we go long term? I say this because it looks like we made the right move Ooh. with Simmons. So, in other words, Zach, you run the risk if you if you go – you know, too bullish on a, on a player who plays well in a contract year, then they get paid and they get comfortable again. And you can yes. see their, their performance slide. What, how would you approach it with, with bulls? It's a tricky situation. It's a really good question. And that's exactly why I'm worried because I think a lot of bulls is turnaround, not to take anything away from him. He's been really good this season. The NFL's top ranked tackle, according to PFF. Um, but I think a lot of the incentive to be better was not just the criticism, but the contract. He had his option taken away. He wasn't being locked down. It looked like he was going to be out of a job in a season. So I think a lot of the motivation was money. If you pay him, a player that's been mentally questioned along his career, you run the risk, like you said, absolutely, of him checking out after getting paid. I don't know about the franchise tag either because it seemed like with Simmons, they tagged him and he just went, he just took off mentally. Emotionally, he's not the same player as he was last year. It's a tough situation. I'd probably lean more, and this is from a big Bulls critic, to pay the guy. If you sign him now, you'll be getting him cheaper than uh, you'll sign for him next March. He's cheaper than a would-be tackle on the open market. He knows the system. And you know what? He's done enough. He's been around the NFL long enough now where I think he's he's finding his footing, literally and figuratively, in this system. And I I, I think I would lock him down now, Chuck. 
it's also worth saying an old grab Cobra commander here. It's also worth mentioning that he's parlayed this through two seasons, right? He played really well down the stretch last year and that trend continued and has continued thus far through 2020. So the other thing you got to factor in is foundationally, you need to have that foundational linchpin for a Super Bowl caliber, you know, championship caliber roster of your left tackle locked down long-term. And that's why they drafted Garrett Bowles. They went through the pain, the suffering, the, you know, that to, and now they're reaping the reward. So I don't think they're, I think I concur with you on Zach, with, with Zach on this, you gotta, you gotta just pay him and run the risk knowing though, that you've got Mike Munchak who seems to have reached him and gotten through to him to mitigate any risk that he might revert back to his recidivist ways. And let me say this one more point. If they do re-sign Garrett Bowles, I'm still drafting a tackle very high in April, first or second round. I'm not leaving it to chance again with Juwan James and Garrett Bowles. Cobra Commander says, I thought that hit on Lindsay was illegal as a helmet to helmet. I thought the same for those of you who follow me on Twitter. And if you're not on Twitter, get on Twitter and follow. If you are on Twitter, I'm sure you saw this. But I said, look, I w- I expect the NFL to find Daniel Swanson for that hit because Zach, I don't necessarily, it wasn't targeting. I don't think he was trying to go helmet to helmet, but it was a helmet to helmet hit that directly caused a concussion. I haven't heard any news yet. I just searched real quick. They haven't handed down to my knowledge, any fine on Sorensen, but if they don't, I will be surprised. I'm kind of not because the NFL chose not to suspend John Bostic, who destroyed Andy Dalton's brain on Sunday. And that was a targeting hit, Chad. That was a dirty yeah. hit that has no place in the NFL. And if he wasn't um, further disciplined, I'm not surprised the uh, the offender for Philip Lindsay's hit wasn't suspended either. That's the inconsistency of the NFL. It's so maddening. Zeus McPeak in the house, showing the love, showing the support. Thank the you, Steve. first face etched into MHH Mount Rushmore. Everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. Appreciate you, Stu. I do need, we do need to hook up, dude. I need to call you on the phone here in the very near future. I need some advice on uh, the old internet here in the very near. So love you, buddy. Appreciate you, John. um, My stream has done a massive jump. So thank you. Uh, Duke showing some love to Terry here. Appreciate the super Duke. And he's saying happy birthday, my brother, Terry Randall. Terry, how old are you? I'm going to guess here. 42. My, tell me if I'm how close I am. I'm going to guess 42. What do you think, Terry? We had him on the show. What do you think, for Terry, how old he is? Not a day over 21, Chad. Come on. Um, yeah, I'm going to say 42. You know, I love you, Terry, but I'm guessing you're you're that's about where where you fall. All right, John. I am let me I'll tell you where I'm at, dude, in the stream. I oh. am. You flattered him, Chad. He's 44. Oh, wow. There you go. See? Uh, Levi, thank you. Levi, hope he's in every stream and he's supporting the cause. Appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Levi. Superstar. He says, Locke needs to win this game. He needs to show that stats don't matter as much as wins and show why Herbert is overrated. Zach, go ahead and answer. And while you are, I'm going to bring up a, a share screen. He's not, he's not, he doesn't have to win this game for Justin Herbert. He doesn't have to win this game for the fan base that wants Herbert over Drew Locke. He has to win it for his team. He plays for the Broncos. He plays for himself. He wants to have a good game because it means the Broncos would have a good game. And if they have a good game, it means they probably win that game. He's not playing to prove he's better than Justin Herbert. It's probably not even in his mind. He hears the noise, but he has to be better for himself. Every quarterback is unique in the AFC West. 
That's what I was saying in my previous point. The Chiefs aren't trying to be the Chargers. The Raiders aren't trying to be the Broncos. Every team is unique, and every quarterback is unique. Locke has to play for himself, not try to be anyone else, including Justin Herbert, who's won one game at this level. One game. This is why, for a few weeks, I was reluctant to shower the praise on Justin Herbert because he was putting up the numbers, and he's a first-round pick, right? You do expect to see the flashes. You do expect to see the production. But I was reluctant to shower him with the praise that he was getting elsewhere, and including all the QB envy within Broncos country, because he still hadn't won a game. All right, he's one and four as a starter. Uh, Drew Locke as a starter in the league, and this counts the Pittsburgh game, uh, is, let's see, he was he's one and three, so he's five and four total as his, for his career in nine starts. He's, he's a plus 500 uh, starting quarterback in the league. So, yeah, he does. I agree with Terry, that, or excuse me, with uh, Levi, that he does need to win this game. Like, this is – you got to bounce back from that ugly game. And it's not just for, for Drew's sake, but, Zach, this is a divisional matchup where they're both sitting at two and four. You need to get back on top of the Chargers and try and get back to a number two seeding in the AFC West if you want a shot at one of those six or seven wild card spots in the AFC playoffs. Yeah, win it for the Broncos. Win it for playoff seeding. Win it for your team. Don't win it because you want to be better than Justin Herbert. That can't be the focus in this game. That's all I'm saying. Do you have John Andres? 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 There he is. Andres Quijano? Quijano? Appreciate you, my friend. And I'm sorry if I butchered the pronunciation of your name, but appreciate your support. He says, hope is for this game. Justin Simmons gets two picks and brings Herbert's you-know-what back down to earth. Judy and or Fant have 100 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Zach, we've been just waiting for the big pop game from Judy. And, you know, he had that touchdown, the big, uh, you know, Moss play over, uh, I think it was Pierre Desser in the Jets game. But we still haven't quite seen that breakout game. And with him kind of pushing the envelope this week in practice, trying to assert himself a little bit more as a leader, is this the week you finally see Jerry Judy pop? I don't know. I, I don't know what what pop is defined as. 100 yards, two touchdowns. I, I want him to get the ball in his hands in the middle of the field and let him beat defenders with his speed and his footwork. I want to see the same plays he made at Alabama, Chad. Not these long, uh, low-percentage passes that Pat Shermer is dialing up for Drew Locke to throw to him. It's going to be tough if Tim Patrick is out of this game because Jerry Judy is the number one wide receiver. He'll draw the most coverage. It might be bigger for Noah Fan or KJ Hamler, but it comes down to play calling. If they utilize Locke correctly and Shermer kind of is balanced, they can get the ball in Judy's hands. And once that happens, he can make the moves. He can make defenders miss. He can take it to the house. That's what I want to see. I want to see the reasons they drafted him 15 overall. It wasn't just go down the field and run really far. Indeed. Indeed. I think it's coming. I think he's, you know, he's working. I think if Drew Locke and if he heeds Pat Shermer's call here to take what the defense gives him, guys, watch the film. I mean, Jerry Judy wins. He creates separation. And if you use Jerry Judy correctly, and it's not go deep every time, and you're trying to target every time you target Jerry Judy, it's you know 15 plus yards, and you're using the underneath, you're using the slants, you're using the digs, you're using the comebacks, you're using the curls. Let him use his route running to your benefit. That's when you'll start seeing him pop. It's just a matter of Shermer and Locke getting wise to that. And I think Drew Locke, you know, this is a couple of weeks in a row now where Locke has talked about Judy in his media availability. I think it's getting more front of brain for him. This could be the week. I'm just don't know yet. Eddie, and by the way, 
Hope things are going well for Cobra in Germany. Shout out to you, my friend. Hope things are okay. Eddie Vasquez, though, superstar. Love you, buddy. And he says, hit that thumbs up. Give us the give us a like. Appreciate that reminder, thumbs Eddie. Up. And he says, Denver Broncos for life. Y'all are the best. No, you're the Thanks. best. Chris McKay, appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. And I still don't know. Are you on Twitter? Hit me up. He says, I'm still curious to hear your guys' scouting report on Judy so far this year. Coaching and QB play aside, do you think he was worth the top 15 pick based off the first six games? Zach, you go ahead and start, and then I'll riff off. Uh, I'll provide my answer. It's so tough to judge any prospect based on six games. And a receiver in a young offense, when he's forced to play a bigger role than he was expecting to play or the Broncos wanted him to play coming out of the gates, whether he was – better than, you know, C.D. Lamb or if the Broncos should have moved up for Henry Ruggs, let's say, that's too premature. All these evaluations are premature. I like a lot of what I've seen from him, and I'm not even, except except for the drops, which were mental errors that can be corrected, I'm not shocking his inefficiency or lack of production up to him predominantly. That's on Locke and the play calling. It's up to Shermer, like I said, to get the ball in his hands and let him use what he did best at Alabama. He wasn't a speedster. He's a guy who can make moves in the Mar- Marvin Harrison and Amari Cooper mold. Let him be that. Let's not turn him into Tyree Kill. You have your Tyree Kill and KJ Hamler. So if a great people say treat yourself like you need a reason, but McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69 or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something, something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Hey, don't forget the Johnsons are coming over. I want to find a rosé Jill hasn't tried yet. Let's go exploring at Total Wine. Their prices are ridiculously low. Wondrous selection, helpful guides, always low prices. Total Wine and more. I would probably be B minus. I think that's a fair grade for Jerry Judy. He's not been perfect, but I think the Broncos made the right call investing in the offense and building around a young quarterback with a big arm. You know, Jerry Judy, I think, first and foremost, the fact that the Broncos had to cycle through three quarterbacks in the first four games did him no favors, and that's not to make an excuse for him. But that combined with the fact that he had the rib injury and then he has a little shoulder that he's been nursing. True. And then the drops. I mean, if you're scouting Jerry Judy, I think what what you do as an opponent is you just try and jam him up at the line of scrimmage because if you're tr- if you allow him a, a clean get off the line, that route running prowess is going to create separation. And you would think, as the opponent, that the 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 quarterback would be wise enough to feed him and to recognize, hey, Jerry Judy is getting open way more often than he's not. Like it's he's getting open probably. Seven out of 10 routes, he's open. So why, Drew Locke, are you not looking Jerry Judy's way? Like, what are you waiting for? And so then I think it comes back to Pat Shermer in terms of how do we emphasize to Drew uh, to look for Judy in the progression? How do we maybe work Judy's routes into more early on in the progression? One, two, one. Because even if Drew Locke is only going through one or two reads before he uncorks, get Judy early in that progression. It really has felt more like, especially the last couple of games, and I think Albert O., Returning to the field had a lot to do with it, but Locke has been making up his mind too early before the snap even happens of where he's going to go with the ball, and it needs to go back. To, he needs to start focusing on Jerry Judy more. Look, 
Judy became, I can't remember the statistical uh, distinction now off the top of my head, Zach, but it was something the first four games for him to get over 50 yards receiving as a rookie. He was up there in terms of, you know, rarefied air. Not many yep. rookie wide receivers uh, in recent history of the NFL have done that. CeeDee Lamb got up there with him. And so to say, you know, Dave, going back to the whole, has he been worth the top 15 pick? Yeah, there's nothing I've seen from Judy up to this point that tells me he wasn't. I hate right. the drops. And the, the worst thing about Judy's drops up to this point, Zach, that really stick in my craw is that they've all been in key moments. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, part of what's perhaps interrupted the chemistry that he could and should have with Locke up to this point is, you know, two third down drops in, in the season opener with Locke. The drop touchdown when Locke returns against the Patriots goes right through his arms. I mean, you got to catch that. And so I think, you know, it just needs they just need more reps together, more time on task, and that's eventually going to come back. And the Broncos are going to be fine. Jerry Judy's going to be fine. He was there's nothing I've seen up to this point that makes me doubt the pick. Yeah, he it's on him to rectify the drops. It's on Drew Locke to rectify finding him when he's open. But it's also on again Pat Shermer to not only call the plays at the right time, but also design the plays. Chad, the underneath routes, the slant routes, the crossing routes. That is where he's going to find his success at this level. Jerry Judy, not these deep posts, not these deep nine routes. That's why it's on coaching. So it's not one. Once again, it's not one factor. There's three or four factors at play constantly, and why the Broncos' offense is so I would say broken right now. Dank Buds and Black Metal jumping in with the Super. Appreciate you, my friend. You. Really has come on strong the last few weeks in particular. Means a lot to us, my friend. We notice and appreciate you. He says, I agree, guys. Um, the loss lit a fire under him, and the offense is going to come out focused and hopefully a bit pissed off, and the defense is going to be tough on Herbert. Time to get mean. Yeah, I think, honestly, like, you know, Justin Herbert has played really, really well to open his career. You know, he put his team in position to win against some really good, highly competitive playoff caliber opponents. His team around him kind of let him down. But I think, Zach, this is a game in which even without Vaughn, even without Jarrell Casey, this is going to be kind of his welcome to the NFL game in that yep. Vic Fangio is going to throw some things at him. Bradley Chubb, Shelby Harris, uh, Malik Reed. They're going to do some things that he hasn't quite seen yet, and I don't think you're going to see the world beating 300-plus yards, multiple touchdowns, Justin Herbert, that you've seen in each game basically this far. He's not infallible, and in fact, he's been opposite that. That's why he has one career victory. And again, I will say, and I'll keep it short, if the Broncos can contain Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes of all quarterbacks, like they did last Sunday, I am not worried at all about what they're going to do to Justin Herbert. They're going to keep him well in check on Sunday. Trust me on that. Again, coming back with a super. Really appreciate you, dog. He says, I have to hop on and off today. I'm at the office. Thanks for the great show and content, as always, today. Appreciate you, Chris. Can't wait to see a win this week or at least some progress. You'll get both. Yeah. In a a perfect world, you get both. We both are predicting you're going to get both. But at the very least, Zach, this is something that, you know, fans, Broncos fans have really been long suffering post Super Bowl 50. But Enjoy your team. Enjoy what this growing process is right now for a very young team who's, you know, learning a lot about themselves through some adversity. And they got hit quickly this year with adversity, with all the injuries and, you know, losing the quarterback in week two and then the Chiefs game. You know, they're learning a lot about themselves and they're going to grow from this. And the returns on that growth, you might not see them immediately. And unfortunately, in the NFL, you know, by the time they start really putting things to, to the to use in terms of the lessons they're learning through these ups and downs, 
In 2020, it might end up being too late in the game to make a difference playoff-wise. But nevertheless, enjoy this team. Enjoy what you're seeing. It's the Broncos. It's a young team figuring itself out. And uh, let the chips fall. With a lot of talent that's also blossoming, Chad. We all, or Broncos country, is focusing on just Drew Locke's performance and the negatives right now. But how about Tim Patrick's ascension? How about how Noah Fan has developed? How about Albert O? How about Shelby Harris? How about A.J. Johnson? How about uh, Michael Lowe? I mean, there's a lot of young foundational pieces. There's a young, talented nucleus in this Broncos organization, and if they can just get the quarterback right, which it will level off, it's going to be an exciting team that will spawn victories. But starting Sunday, Chris, you will see not only progress, but also a victory. I promise you on that. Speaking of victory, I, you know, I want to I want to relay some keys to victory for your Denver Broncos in Week 8 going against the Chargers. And I want to start real quick, Zach. Anything you have in mind to articulate for keys to a Broncos win, have them in mind. I'm going to serve it over to you here in just a second. But if you look at these numbers, the Broncos' third down and red zone percentage is atrocious. In fact, their whole entire offense is atrocious in terms of rankings. Everything is bottom five with the exception of rushing, fumbles lost. That's it. Everything else, well, uh, sacks allowed. So that's good. They're only middle of the pack in sacks allowed, but it's bad, right? And and so you go, well, there's only one way to go. Uh, there's there's nowhere to go but up. There's so many different ways you could try and say that this offense need to needs to improve. But the first key here, Zach, is for me, and then I want to serve this over to you. The Broncos have to move the needle here. I want to I want to draw your attention to third down percentage. All right, thirty five point nine. So they're converting thirty six percent of their third downs. And a lot of it has to do with Pat Shermer's play calling and Drew Locke's decision-making on the money down. And if you get back to basics in terms of taking what the defense gives you, you know, establishing the run so you're getting favorable second downs and you're, that, that lead to more favorable third downs, I think you can move the needle there because even though their, third, their red zone percentage right now is still in the tank, they showed progress in that department last week in a snow game against a tough opponent. They got into the red zone twice, scored a touchdown in both cases, which gives me hope that they can continue to improve these metrics by the time the season's out and really climb up the rankings. But first and foremost, a key, you got to keep these drives moving. That starts with being much more effective execution-wise on third down. Yes, and balance on first and second down. Don't go run, run, pass, or pass, pass, run. Change it up a little bit. Put yourself in third and one, not third and eight. That's a big key for the Broncos in this game it's they have to keep the ball moving, keep the clock moving. And like any other team who they're facing, whether it be the Chiefs or the Chargers, you have to score touchdowns. You cannot rely on McManus to get you there six different times and get 18 points from that. When you're in the red zone, you got to come away with six points. Put the pressure on the Chargers. Make Herbert play from a deficit. Make Herbert play from behind. Let the defense pin their ears back. So, yes, on offense, it comes down to being smart, being aggressive when you can, but also like any other week, Chad, my John Madden analysis here is score touchdowns and not field goals. I think this is a game, and this is another key, in which the Broncos are going to have a lot of opportunities to get some takeaways because Banjo's going to throw some things at Herbert that he hasn't seen yet. They're going to put him in some positions that he hasn't been in yet. And, you know, he's a very athletic quarterback in terms of – and he's big and he's strong. He's not easy to sack. There's a reason why – you know, they've only allowed 12 sacks up to this point in the season, which is middle of the pack, but it's still, you know, six sacks better than the Broncos at, at, at this point. He's tough to sack, but Zach, I think this is an opportunity where because he's young and he's going to be seeing some looks and he's going to be getting some pressures and 
that he's not used to yet. He's going to make some decisions that he's going to want back. A key to this game is capitalizing on those decisions. The Broncos have to put on their predator hat, right? Justin Simmons, Kareem Jackson, Shelby Harris come with that tip game, you know, pop some balls up in the air. I think this is a game where the Broncos really have to push the envelope in terms of taking the ball away. Because if you look at takeaways coming down here to the defensive side, the Broncos are ranked um, sixth, or excuse me, 24th with only six. So they've got to move the needle on that. They got to improve. They're, they're, you know, top 10 in multiple areas are your Denver Broncos defensively. But in takeaways, this is the game where they get their numbers up. They cannot make Justin Herbert look like Dan Fouts. And I don't think they will, but they have to treat him aggressively. They have to play him like they played Sam Darnold against the Jets. Aggressive, blitz happy, come after him and do not let up. If you can fluster him, which you can, if they can do it to Mahomes, they can do it to Herbert. If you keep the pressure on, you will get the sacks, you will get the turnovers, you will give the ball back to the offense, let them make some plays, hopefully score points. Yes, I agree with you, Chad. Um, You have to keep on Justin Herbert. Send five, six guys. Don't play coverage. Don't play 10 yards off. Don't treat him like something he's not either. Come after him and make him human because he very, very much is. He bleeds like anyone else. The Chargers are doing a solid job in terms of stopping the run. They're ranked 14th, middle of the pack, only allowing 113 yards per game on the ground, which is only four more yards per game than the Broncos. Broncos are currently a top 10 rushing defense. The Chargers are just behind them. um, But I think this is a game in which the Broncos, even if Phillip Lindsay is unable, Zach, to get back from that concussion, this is a game where I think the Broncos can impose their will on the ground. And, Really, if you're looking to lay the foundation for a bounce-back game for a young quarterback who's under a lot of scrutiny and the criticism, you give him back some confidence. You give him some favorable situational um, you know, third downs, second downs. Because, I mean, in the NFL, you often see uh, teams, they'll get a nice play on first down where they it brings up a second and three or a second and two. And because they know that – even if they get no yardage on second down, they're going to have a third and short. They take a shot. That comes to being smart and productive on first down. And to me, that boils down to running the ball. So even if Philip Lindsay is unable to get back in time for, you know, get out of the concussion protocol, this is a game going against his former team where Melvin Gordon needs to earn that 8 million bucks. Yes. Good call. Revenge game for Melvin Gordon. Absolutely. And it comes down to, again, I don't want to keep beating the dead horse, which is pretty much obliterated at this point, uh, but it's Pat Shermer's play calling. If something is working, like Chad mentioned at the top of the show, do not go away from it. If outside runs are working with Phillip Lindsay, do not stop doing that. If Melvin Gordon fumbles, do not call a flea flicker where you put the ball in his hands. It's simple, fundamental coaching. And if they can play smart and coach smart, they can win this game going away. They can. This can be an easy victory for Denver if they play up to their potential. If they bring it on defense like they did against the Jets, and they bring it on offense against New England. If they combine those areas, Chad, this will be a victory for Denver. Last thing here, and then we'll get back to the chat, and then we got to get out of here pretty soon. But if I would have told you that almost halfway through the season after Vaughn Miller and Jarrell Casey went down, that the Broncos would be ranked top 10 in sacks, how many of you would have believed that? All right, but they are. Now they're ranked eighth. They got 18 sacks through the season. And this is another game. This kind of goes hand in hand with the takeaways thing. But this is a game where Bradley Chubb needs to play inspired ball. Malik Reed needs to continue to be that smart guy that capitalizes on his opportunities, even if he doesn't straight up win and dominate his matchups one on one. Put some pressure 
on Justin Herbert, and it will lead Zach to, to those takeaways, which you get those takeaways, and it sets your quarterback up with an extra possession and more often than not a short field, and then you're in business. But not just any pressure, not just predictable pressure like sending A.J. Johnson or sending Josie Jewell. How about some delayed blitzes, disguise blitzes, safety blitzes, stunts, something in the middle of the defense that Herbert has not seen before? If they can do that, um, I think they can control that, that Chargers offense fairly well. All right, let's see here. John, uh, NRF18, just sub. Welcome. Appreciate the subscription, my friend, on YouTube. All right, let's see here. Do you have based Gase? Yeah, do you have based Gase? And then Chesney, Bison, Mark, and James. Then I think we're pretty well caught up, and then we can dip on out. Based Gase in the house again. Appreciate you, my friend, becoming a superstar. Do you think Bowles will return to his former self once the refs start calling holding flags next season? It's too good to be true. You know, that, that is a concern. All right. I am a little, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I don't, and I've even mentioned it on this show. I broached the subject, but if you watch the tape on bowls, his technique is significantly improved. There's always for any tackle. There are those razor's edge plays where a, a, a penalty, a holding call could have get, could have been thrown, but they don't. It's the egregious ones where, you know, it's, it's just, obvious that used to get bowls in a lot of trouble and you're not seeing those this year you really aren't now i do think that the refs you know obviously some mandate from on high told them hold on to your yellow laundry that's helped bowls no doubt that has helped bowls but i don't think honestly even if that weren't the case i think you'd still see him playing really good ball this year and not being nearly as penalized as he's been in years past and next year, when the refs go back to calling holding normally, you're going to get a Garrett Bowles hold. Those are inevitable. Every lineman, for the most part, is called for holding. Though I, I do think this new Garrett Bowles is here to stay. And I'm, I'm literally knocking wood right now as I say that. I do think the new Garrett Bowles is uh, permanent, not temporary. All right, let's grab here. Chesney Boer, thank you for the super, a name we don't recognize. So welcome. welcome thank Chesney. you, my friend. Either people are supportive of Locke or hate him. We need to be more patient with one of the youngest offenses. Thanks for the great content, guys. Zach, that was a great comment, and thank you for the yeah. uh, the super chat, Chesney, because <clears throat> that was also, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> that was also something that Pat Shermer talked about today to bring perspective. That he said, you know, look, teams that were going to field this year, if you were going to have to rely on a rookie center, if you're going to have to rely on rookie quarterbacks, first year offenses with you know, in terms of first year coordinators. You're going to be in a tough pickle this year if you're because of the pandemic. And so the Broncos have, have been inordinately affected, and we knew that was going to happen. We knew there was going to be an effect with a first year coordinator, didn't get. And I think he said that they missed out on 1,400 reps by losing the OTAs. By losing OTAs and then in preseason, I think combined, they lost out on about 1,400 reps. Can you imagine how much farther along the, the path this offense, Drew Locke, everybody would be right now? If they had an additional 1,400 reps in Pat Shermer's scheme, that's what they lost out on. And uh, so I do think this this the offense is young. They got a lot of room to grow, and the fans do need to recognize that, Zach, and be patient. It was a great comment by uh, Chesney. We appreciate it, but it's also a very common-sense comment. And uh, not to stoke the fan base, but I think a lot of Broncos fans can use some common sense when it comes to Drew Locke. That comment is pretty spot on. Bison M jumping in. Appreciate you, my dog. Bonafide superstar. Is that you? Are you a drummer? And is that you playing the drums in your profile pic? If so, dude, that's that's rad. 
He says, random question. Do you two think that Von Miller will play in Denver the rest of his career? I've been thinking of him leaving and it devastates me. If I had to make a prediction now, I don't know about the rest of his career, but I don't think he's leaving after 2020. I think he's going to stick around. Um, But it really depends guys on how amenable, because look, the time comes for every star player where they start slowing down and their teams come to them and they say, Hey man, you're not the player you once were, but you're still important to us and you're still good. Are you willing to take a step back financially? Because we, we gotta, we gotta help the team elsewhere. And it all just depends on what Vaughn's mindset is when that time comes. And when that time comes, is it going to come in January or February this year? Are the Broncos going to have a tough uh, conversation with him? Maybe, but I don't think so. I think he rides out this regime because Elway runs through 2021. Miller does as well. And I think you'll, this isn't something that's probably going to get answered till after that. That's what I was going to say. It's who's going to be the GM when they have to have that conversation because we know how contentious it was between Miller and, and Elway after the Super Bowl, him negotiating that contract. Uh, I It's murky as to whether he's going to retire a Bronco, but I'm right there with Chad. I think he will be back for 2021. And going forward from there, I think it'll, it'll be up to his own self to prove his worth and to stake his claim with the Broncos, but also a lot also uh, ties into Elway and his status as well. Mark Langley, everyone knows Mark. Talk about a superstar. Good to see you, my friend. Appreciate you so much. He says, what's up, my guys? What will Locke's stats be at the end of the season? Your thoughts, my football priests. Well, they're not looking good right now. In fact, I'll give you a a, a glimpse really quick here. And I don't say this to get everyone down, but this is what Locke's stats look like right now. Well, actually, I'll stay up here. Um, So he's – how many full games has he played? Week one. Week six, week seven. So three full games and a, and, and a quarter, basically. He's only got 679 yards, one TD, four picks. Not good. One rushing touchdown as well. So with 10 games left to go, I think that with the time that he missed and just kind of the trajectory this offense is rolling, I think if, if Drew Locke can get to 20 touchdown passes this year, Zach, it'll be like mana from heaven. I think he probably ends up around 3,000 passing yards. And he probably ends up between 16 and 18 passing touchdowns. And I think that he's going to continue to throw some picks. So he'll probably end up, if he's lucky, he'll end up with a with a pretty even touchdown to interception ratio just because of the hole he's dug himself in. Can I give the really unpopular answer, though, is I don't care about stats. I want to see how he progresses as a quarterback. I want to see how many games the Broncos win. I want to see if he plays better by the end of the year than he played better against the Chiefs. Um, I, I'm, I'm right there with you on the barometer numbers wise, but I've never really been a box score analyst. I want to see him progress his footwork, his mechanics, his leading the team. That's more important to me than a number of yards he throws or passes he completes. Well said. We got a name we don't recognize as well. Jumping in on super chat, showing some extreme generosity. Yes. Thank you, Thank James. You, James. Means a lot to us, my friend and welcome. Stick around. If you got a comment or a question or a topic you want to address, just throw it in the stream. John will keep an eye out for it. Uh, Kenneth Booker jumping in again. Thank you, my friend. If Trevor Lawrence doesn't come out, who will be the first? Mm, that's a good question. That's a good question. Well, he's, uh, I know he, he has CV now. I don't know if you saw yeah. it, Chad. Yeah. Uh, but yep. And he's, he's a guy, to his credit, Zach, I want to tip my cap to him because I think he's a big reason why the football season even happened on the college mm-hmm. side. He campaigned hard. That's a good let us play. He started basically the let us play hashtag on Twitter and the and the groundswell. And so tip of the cap to him because he knew he, it would put him at risk to contract the bug that we all hate. 
And, you know, he's young. So the, the demographics tell us that he's, he's, odds are he's going to be just fine. He'll get through this pretty quickly. He's a young elite athlete in great shape, but tip of the cap to him for, you know, knowing that there was a chance he could get it. Now he's got it. He'll beat it. He'll come back. I would be stunned though, Kenneth, if he doesn't come out. Um, the only way I could see him not coming out is if he just says, look, I just don't want to go to the Jets. Or if he pulls a power move and says, look, I'll come out, but I'm." he pulls an Elway and says, I'm not playing for the New York Jets. I don't know. But if it's not him, um, Soul. It may be, who's that? Soul? Yes, the tackle, tackle possibly. Or uh, Fields, maybe, Lance, maybe Fields, quarterback. Yes, yes. But as you know, man, we're not the we're not the draft czar guys when it comes to I don't even start really focusing on that myself because I'm juggling so many balls with content and managing the site and bringing you guys these podcasts every night until about December and January. I start looking at college and how the draft's shaping up and all that stuff. So great question. Save it for the Dove Valley Deep Divers and the building the Broncos of the world. Andreas, again, jumping in. Thank you, my friend. This game is going to be our D versus their offense, and we know what our D can do. So this is the game for our offense to take off. New to the pod, Ola. Welcome. Ola to you as well, my friend. Thank you. And your point, both all, both your points, well uh, well said. Thank you. Yes, very much agreed. Um, what else we got here? Mark again. Thank Appreciate you, you, my dog. He says, thanks, Zach, for your unpopular answer. <laughs> I agree Thank as you, well. Yeah, I mean, you know, when the season was uh, – when we were in the pre, uh, you know, the offseason, we were looking at how Daniel Jones performed in Pat Shermer's scheme. We were trying to extrapolate some of Drew Locke's stats based on how he finished last year as a starter. And just the way this season has gone, man, you got to throw it all out the window. We don't know. It's hard to predict. It's he, He's been so up and down, and the offense has been so up and down that yeah. there's just no way to know at this stage. Muhammad, bona fide superstar, appreciate you, my friend. Thank you. He says, my guys, Chad, the CEO, and Zach the Dragon, always spitting fire. There you go, Zach the Dragon. We need a T-shirt, Zach the Dragon. <laughs> Just that emoji with the with the steam coming out of the nose. I appreciate you, Mahab, and I saw your tweet last night. Thank you. Indeed. Thanks, my friend. And by the way, when you get your swag, don't forget to send us that selfie, and That's right. we'll, uh, we'll shout you out. John, I think we're caught up, no? Or is there – I want to say we are. Let me double-check something here. Mr. Castillo, appreciate you. Thank you, sir. Um, yeah, we're, we're caught up. So, gang, if we did not get to your question tonight, uh, we will circle back. Because I mean, we're done for the week, Zach and I. We'll be back, of course, Sunday for the halftime stream. We'll, we'll come to you live during halftime. And then, of course, the gut reaction. So put a pin in it. Don't forget, tomorrow night you got Dove Valley Deep Divers. I don't know what they got cooking up for you, but – Thank you, Gary, jumping in with the super Thank on the uh, on at the eleventh hour. He says, "Great show, guys. Good to see Vaughn out there without his walking boot." Yep, that was a surprise to uh, Vic Fangio, by the way, Zach. That Vaughn was out there without his boot in his little scooter. It's a good sign that he's progressing. All everyone I've talked to says so far he's healing on schedule. He's not like he's nowhere close to getting out there and doing stuff yet, but he's out of the boot. Good progress, and he's out there being a coach and being a leader, and he seems to have kind of bounced back from the depression of right. the injury and the shock of it all and the disappointment. So good to see, good to see him out there with his boys. I think it's very unlikely he plays this year, but the fact he's making progress and he's around the team, I think that's encouraging and uh, he'll, he'll be fully healed in time for 2021. So that's the most important thing. Greg, good to see you, my friend. Have a great weekend yes. to you as well. And uh, don't forget that Sunday is fall back. You're going to have to be setting your clocks back. And you know what? It's, 
I love it because you get that extra hour of sleep. Yes. Your body feels yes. like you're getting that right. Um, but, but guys, we're out of here for tonight. So make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter. You can keep the conversation going with Zach and I on Twitter. Start. Oh, wow. Discount audio on wheels. Our friend, Tony, our friend Tony in LA jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. You, Is it LA? I know it's California. I think it's LA. Appreciate you, my dog. He says, what's up, fellas? If we had a bad loss this week, would you consider trading some guys? I don't think we will. I believe our D will shut them down and finally get a win on my way to Denver game two. Let's go. Heck yeah. Uh, we both predicted a win, my friend. And uh, we'll have the official Mile High Roundtable publishing at milehighhuddle.com tomorrow. As it relates to the trade issue, we think if the Broncos were to lose, you know, you, you might see them deal some guys in the that are in their final year of their contract, like potentially guys that you could look at as potential candidates. We mentioned this earlier, but Justin Simmons, Garrett Bowles, guys like that. But we don't think they're going to be, regardless. Even if they lose, I don't think – I mean, I don't think they're going to be sellers, and I really don't think they're going to go out there trying to really add anybody. Yeah, it's not going to be a fire sale on either side of the ball. I throw in Deshaun Hamilton, Demarcus Walker, but if they make a deal, it's going to be one deal either way, you know, acquiring or giving away a player. But Tony, thank you, my friend. Better late than never, and it's always good to see you in the stream, my dog. Uh, Huddle Up Pod on Twitter, at Huddle Up Pod, at Mile High Huddle, but really connect also with us individually. Zach Kelberman, my partner on Twitter, at Kelberman NFL, myself, at Chad N. Jensen, and then, of course, our producer. John Cronenberg at John K M H H a great Twitter follow trust connect with John connect with Zach connect with myself. We love keeping the conversation going outside the stream on social media. And also the best way to do that, go to milehighhuddle.com sound off on the, in the comment section on each article. We want to hear your take on these topics that we're writing about passionately and trying to give you our, our insights and our knowledge and our takes on these things. We want to hear what yours are as well. So comment there, just like you're doing on YouTube, just like you're doing on Facebook, just like you're doing on Twitter milehighhuddle.com as well. But gang, we're out of here. Zach, have a great weekend, my friend. You too, Chad. Uh, I'm excited because we're going to come back. The next time we see you guys, we're going to be talking about, it'll halftime, what we're going to be talking about on the next full Huddle Up pod, a Broncos victory. So hang in there. Uh, I'm Hopefully you guys are over the Chiefs hangover and looking forward to lock bouncing back because it's happening on Sunday, 48 hours, 72 hours from now, my math is correct, Broncos victory. Amen. All right, guys. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you on Sunday. And don't forget, though, you got Dove Valley Deep Divers tomorrow and Mile High Insiders on Saturday. Seven podcasts. Oh, dude, I almost forgot. Mile High salute to our Super Chat superstars, on, Facebook supporters. Love you guys. Um, but, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll circle back and see you on Sunday. So for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll see you then. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. At Capella University, you're in control of your education. With the game-changing FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines and move at your own pace. The faster you move, the more you save. Visit capella.edu to learn more. So let's say you're into yoga or Pilates, or maybe you dabble in gymnastics like me. Either way, you know being flexible is key to doing what you love. That's why Smoothie King created this stretch and flex smoothie for people like us. With whole fruits and organic veggies, plus type 2 collagen, make it part of your daily fitness routine to support flexibility and joint health. So try the stretch and flex smoothie and tart cherry or pineapple kale. Order online today for pickup or delivery. Smoothie King, rule the day.